One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Scratch Studios in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. We're scratching the surface today. Alan Lim and Michaela Kirsch. Going to be a great show. Alan, take it away. Uh, so why don't we introduce Michaela first? Michaela, who are you? <laughs> My name's Michaela Kirsch, and I'm a 22-year-old professional rock climber, full-time student, and youth climbing coach. <laughs> All right, here's why I like Michaela so much. Today is the national championships down in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Michaela's going to be completing this evening at 5 o'clock, but until then, what are you doing, Michaela? Right now I'm studying for my cumulative cell bio final exam that I have on Monday, and I'm totally swamped in notes, and I have two textbooks on the table with me and my my laptop, so got to get it done. You got to get it done, and you've been getting it done not only in school but in climbing over the course of the last half a year or so. You've been doing routes and climbs that even some men can't do. Um, you want to just, you know, catch people up about uh, your climbing history and what you've uh, been able to accomplish in the last uh, couple of months. Yeah, definitely. I've been climbing for around fourteen years and competitively for the last twelve. Um, and recently, in the last year, I broke through this plateau that I found myself in for around three or four years. And I've been sending, which means getting to the top of, really hard climbs in the 514C grade, which not many women in the world can do. And I've done six of them in the last year, and three of those were in the last two weeks. <laughs> Michaela, this is like so profound. I mean, this is out of category stuff in terms of what other female climbers or what most male climbers are capable of doing. I've known you for quite some time now, um, and you have broken through. And from my perspective, you broke through when you started going to college full time. I mean, how do you explain that? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I noticed the same trend. I think that being in school actually helped me because I had to focus on time management and any extra time that I had to train, I needed to make sure that I was using it to its full capacity. Whereas when I wasn't in school full time, I had way more time to train and do whatever I wanted. So I found that I could just put it off and kind of procrastinate and I wasn't really maximizing my time in the gym. And now that I'm so busy with school and work and climbing, I feel like I maximize every opportunity I have for each of those three things. 
Yeah, you do not dilly dally whatsoever. I mean, if no. you've got somewhere you need to be, you are getting there. What? If you have somewhere you need to be going, you are getting there, right? Yeah, totally. And I think that the my biggest strength this year is working out schedules and routines and just really sticking to them and dedicating just enough time to be able to succeed in all three aspects of my life to the capacity that I want to. Yeah, so tell folks where you where do you live? What what school do you go to? I live in Chicago, born and raised in the city limits and right now I'm a senior at DePaul University, and I'm a health science major concentrating in bioscience. Okay, here's what's incredible. The last, uh, like, you know, 5.14 Cs that you've done, right, they've been in the Red River Gorge, right? Yep. How many hours is that from Chicago? It's a seven-hour drive each way. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, you are. Yeah, we. I usually leave Fridays after school or work, and get there late at night, and then kind of crash. And Saturday and Sundays, just like executing and hoping that all of my training got me to the right point, and then driving home Sunday night and school again on Monday morning. Yeah, and what, what's really interesting I find is that your training is also really structured. When I hear you talk about training, it reminds me of how a lot of cyclists train with periodization, with you know different you know weaknesses that you're working on, and you have a very structured weekly routine that leads you to that Friday evening when you're you know trying to get these sends in uh, in Kentucky. What's what's that routine like? So right now, I would say that my biggest weaknesses are big moves, which take a lot of power. So I focus on power and power endurance on Tuesdays and Thursdays to make sure that I have the physical strength to pull the hardest moves on each route. And Wednesdays, I'm just really fine-tuning my endurance, so doing really long circuits of a lot of moves. And it's mainly focusing on the forearm group and trying not to get super pumped. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the weekends, you're doing the real thing. You're getting out there and you're just going for it. Right. And I think that's training in itself because on Saturday and Sunday when I'm working on my projects, things that I really want to do, I'm trying at my max capacity. So I'm, I'm really increasing my finger strength and my fitness level all in one by working these super hard rock climbs. Yeah, that's awesome. How are you feeling about the national championships this weekend? I think that because I've been so busy with school, I've kind of been pushing my nerves to the side. (laughs) But now that, you know, it's today and tomorrow, um, I'm definitely a little bit anxious. And I find that I get more nervous before competitions that I feel like I'm really prepared for because my expectations of myself are a lot higher. And I put more pressure on myself to perform well. Michaela, this is George. I just wanted to interject here real quick. Do you get more nervous before a climbing competition or an exam? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's actually a good question. I've never really compared the two. I think I get a lot more nervous for climbing competitions, honestly, because it's something that I've been doing for so long and I'm extremely passionate about. And with school, I feel like I know all of the information that's going to be covered on the exam, and I can take as long as I need to prepare for it. And in a climbing competition, you get one chance, and it's kind of 
a mixture of how prepared you are and what the actual climbs look like that the root setters have set up for you. So it could be totally my style or it could be the complete opposite. And like, I, it could be big jumps and big holds and powerful moves and I, I could have to work really hard to do well. <laughs> um, wait, switching topics a little bit. As your surrogate Asian tiger dad, uh, how the school going? <laughs> you get you getting good grades? What's going on? Oh yeah, I'm I'm on the dean's list. I have a science scholarship. I get really good grades. <laughs> um, all A's and B's. Definitely have to work a little bit harder in classes like cell bio because it doesn't come as naturally to me. But I, I like that challenge. Look, here's the deal, Sometimes. Michaela. You have been climbing, <laughs> what? You've been climbing since you were like 10 years old or something? Eight years old, yeah. Yeah, you've been climbing since you were eight years old. You just started doing cell bio this last year. I mean, do cell bio for another 14 years. And let me tell you something. You're going to be really freaking good at it. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just about the time that you commit to anything right so if you want to be a master they say it takes 10,000 hours and if I put 10,000 hours into cell biology hopefully I would master it but by now I've put well into 10,000 hours I would think into climbing and I still feel like there are so many things ahead of me that I've yet to accomplish yeah so let me ask you this you started at such a young age at eight years old as a young athlete what kept you engaged in the same sport for so many years I mean most kids I find get distracted or they just don't fall in love with it. What was it about climbing or your personality that kept you going in the sport? I would consider myself to be extremely competitive, whether it's with myself or the climbs that I'm working on. And that's the greatest thing about climbing is that there's always going to be something harder and something that I can't do or haven't done. Um, and that's what really pushes me and motivates me to stay in this sport because you can just continuously try and succeed or try and fail. And there's so many different routes in the world. Um, I think there is no limit. You know, you said something that really resonated with me. You said you're really competitive and you're competitive either with yourself or with the routes that you're climbing. You never mentioned anyone else. Yeah, I, for me, anyways, climbing is extremely personal. Um, and my goal is never about being better than another individual or, like, beating someone in a competition. When it comes to competitions, I just want to perform my absolute best. And wherever that puts me in the field, you know, there's nothing else I can do. And the same thing outside. I just want to climb the hardest possible routes that I can, not dependent on other people. Now, now, has that been something that you have uh, developed over time, or do you think that's just something that was innate in you, that sense of self? Uh, I think it was probably innate in me, because even before I started climbing, I was competitive. I just always wanted to push myself to be better, and no, matter, like, no matter what it was. Ballet, when I was really small, baseball, I just wanted to be the best that I could, and I was never really fully satisfied until... I felt like I did everything perfectly. Now, what about the aspect of, of internalizing or intrinsically being intrinsically motivated and not comparing yourself to others? Ha, has there ever been a stage where you kind of got caught up in the competition from a, I want to beat this person, or has it always been you versus the route, you versus yourself? I think that 
the the close it get the closest it gets to me being competitive with other people is when I'm climbing with my friends in a laid back setting and we're just trying to push each other and motivate each other to climb harder. So if we're working on the same problem, you know, we have unlimited amount of tries and it's kind of like a game who can get it first. But it's never about being satisfied that I beat them. It's kind of like an arms race. Like we push each other to get stronger. So I like climbing with people who challenge me. Um, Michaela, I'm really curious. It seems like climbing would be a sport where visualization would be really important. I use it a lot in cycling. I use it a lot in skiing. When you're just given a route, though, at, say, the championships that are coming up, how do you prepare? So, obviously, you need to train to be physically prepared. And in a climbing competition like the one I'm competing in today, we get to see the route beforehand in what's called a route preview. So we get six to eight minutes to look at it and see what we're up against. And then we can go back into the warm-up area and further prepare. So after I've looked at the route and I know all of the moves, when I'm in the warm-up area, I can picture myself climbing it. And I find that it's really helpful to visualize myself getting to the top and succeeding on it. Because that just makes me believe that it's possible. And I perform infinitely better when I really believe that I can. And do you visualize first person or third person where you're watching yourself go up? Or do you see it from your point of view? Third person. (laughs) That's an interesting question because I've never thought of that. But I definitely watch myself do it from a third person perspective. Whoa, out of body. That's gnar. (laughs) I think it's probably because if I was to try and imagine it first person, I would have to be able to assume what the hole felt like. And in a climbing competition, you don't know what they feel like until you're actually on the wall. So in third person, I can just visualize the general movements that I know it's going to be like. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hey, what's the format of uh, the competition this weekend? So the first round, the qualifying round today, is called flash format, which means that there's two climbs and there are competitors running on them at the same time, and we get to watch each other climb up until it's our turn, and then um, it'll be the top 16 will go into semifinals, and semifinals and finals tomorrow are called on-site, which means you don't get to watch anyone climb on them. It's you versus the wall 100%, and you only get one chance. So if you mess up on the start, that's it. Like, you're done. <laughs> that's crazy. What's what's the best you've done in these type of competitions? Um, in the adult national championship, I've made the U.S. team three times, and I've gotten as high as third place. And in the youth national championships, I've been the national champion. All right, it's it's time. Game on. <laughs> I hope so. I've been, I really have been breaking through a lot of personal barriers this year with my climbing, and it's hard for it to always translate into a competition result because there are so many different factors, but I feel like I'm more prepared than ever to do well. Yeah, I mean, there's some big distinctions between the competition format that you're going to be entering today and going out there and trying to do a big route, right? I mean, almost like different, like they're two different sports. Yeah, it's very different, especially because in a competition, I feel like more than just 
personal pressure, there's outside pressure and stressors like other people's expectations or other competitors and what the routes are going to be like. But when it's outside and I'm trying to do a rock climb, it's just me versus that climb and I can take my time and as many tries as I want. And the only pressure that I feel comes from within. Yeah. Does it stress you out that I'm coming down today with a big all entourage and that we're going to be screaming our heads off? <laughs> no, I think that having a support system in this community is one of my greatest strengths, especially growing up, having so many people who I know care about me. That, I think, just makes me perform better and want to do well. Yeah, you know, you've had uh, a certain... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A, a, a lot more challenge growing up than others. You want to talk about, about, about that and how we actually ended up yeah. meeting? Sure. Um, so in, I was born in 1994. And in 99, my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And the doctors only gave her six months to live, but she actually managed to pull through and go into remission and be recovering and cancer-free. And then again in 2005, she was diagnosed and she stayed sick until she passed away in 2010. So when I was a kid, I was growing up with a sick mom, but which means... It doesn't mean that she was a bad mom by any standards, but it was a different kind of childhood because she couldn't go running on the playground with me and certain things were harder for her, and that was a challenge. And then for her to pass away at 15 was totally a culture shock. I had had obviously imagined what it would be like if she had passed away because I knew that it was imminent, but I I was in no way prepared for that, especially at such a fragile age for a teenage girl. Yeah, you had a totally different experience growing up, but I mean, I I see it in you today, um, your capacity to get things done, your motivation, you know, your ability to accomplish whatever it is you you set out to do. I think that it's definitely part of that whole experience that has made you who you are today, right? Um, The other amazing... Yeah, definitely. I think in a lot of ways, And it kind of makes people, it's weird for them to hear me say this, but I think in a lot of ways my mom's passing was one of the greatest gifts she ever gave me because of how much I've learned from it and grown from it. But of course, if I could go back and choose, I would never (laughs) wish that upon her. But I think that the way I dealt with it was 
really positive for me, even though it took me a really long time to see that and kind of grasp that. But yeah. I think that a lot of a lot of the characteristics that I have now as an adult who's gone through that, I think are part of the reason I'm so successful in climbing anyways. <laughs> yeah, you know, outside looking in, if, if I didn't know anything about you or your story, I would say, oh my gosh, you're so remarkable. You're on the fast track. Right. But the reality is, is that you got put on the fast track. You didn't necessarily choose to be on the fast track. And what's amazing about your story, I think, is is it's a reflection of how resilient we are as human beings. We live up to the challenges presented to us. And most of those challenges are things that we can't actually, you know, control or choose, but we can adapt to. Right. Um, right. When something like that happens, it's more of like sink or swim. A lot of people who maybe haven't gone through something like that are like, oh my goodness, I would never be able to do that. I would never be in the place that you are now. But in actuality, when it happens to you, you don't have a choice. You just have to keep going and fight for any normalcy that you can and try and succeed and and grow and make something good out of it. Yeah. So was climbing part of that normalcy for you? Definitely. I, I mean, after my mom died, three days later, I was back at practice. And a lot of the kids, that was off-putting for them at the time because they had no idea how to deal with that on their own or how to deal with that when one of their friends was going through it. So it was an awkward stage in a lot of ways for all of us because I felt like we were going through it together. But just being able to go climbing and do something that I love so much, it turned into this safe haven for me where I just knew that I was going to be safe and I had people in the community who cared about me and were looking out for me. And I think that's a huge part of why I was able to bounce back from something like that. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of through you that I got involved in the climbing community because that community did pour out for you. And, you know, in particular, Sarah Woodprints, right? Uh, who? Yeah. Tell me yeah, about, about Sarah has who been, she is. I can't even describe how invaluable she's been in my life. Basically... Sarah is the mother of two young girls that I coached on the climbing team at the time, and I still coach one of them now, even though they're both in high school. And she sort of reached out to me when she felt like the time was appropriate because she didn't want me to feel like she was trying to fill my mom's role in any way. But she looked out for me, and, I mean, really, she just loved me, like, only in the way only a mother can. And she took me prom dress shopping and helped me in school and all of those kinds of things that I was worried about missing out on. She was there for me and still is. And she's going to be there today. That's right. She's flying in from Chicago. And we met through Sarah. And Sarah has kind of filled that same role in my own life when I was going through a lot of my own personal struggles in, in pro cycling and dealing with all the kind of corruption and the doping and the bullshit and just the, 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 the hardness of it, I would find myself often um, flying to Chicago and literally just hiding in Sarah's house and, you know, spending the weekend there or a week there. And she would just, you know, take care of you. She was that kind of person. Um, a lot of what I've learned about hospitality and taking care of athletes has come from just seeing how Sarah is taking care of you and her own daughters. Yeah, she's an incredible person. And just being around her, she hosts this environment for me where I feel safe to be myself and really I can flourish and 
succeed. And I think that having a person like that, and more than just one, I mean, there are so many people in the community who reached out to me in that time period. I think that's why I was able to come through it so much stronger than I was going into it. Yeah, but I, th I think ultimately what it shows is that having strong mentors in one life and having people that you can look up to and rely on is 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 key to anything that we try to accomplish, right? And what's amazing right now, Michaela, is that I'm so inspired by you because I see you as that person for all of these young kids that you now coach in Chicago. Um, you've become that person, Michaela. How does that feel? I think it's, for me, strange in a lot of ways when I think about how big a part of some of these kids' lives I am, because some of them don't have any climbing memories that don't involve me. You know, I was there from the first day that they signed up for my classes, and I'm still coaching them, and it's been a really cool experience for all of us to grow together, because their climbing has improved, and so is mine, and we're all in school at different levels, and I can help them. I just helped one of the girls that I coach, her name is Sophie, she's in fifth or sixth grade and she was having a hard time learning how to balance chemical equations and I'm like I got this <laughs> I'm a science major and she got an A on that test and I think it's really cool to be able to help them in more ways than just improving their technical climbing skills yeah yeah well I'll tell you I'll share you with you a lesson that you taught me that was probably one of the more valuable lessons that I've learned um, I brought my my niece and nephew to go climb with you and you know, mm -hmm. Madeline uh, was what four at the time. Dylan was about six. And when they first started getting on the wall, I was so freaking scared. Like I was <laughs> freaking out. I was just like, oh, you're about, oh. and I was just like, I found myself like literally like kind of panicking and like hyperventilating at times, right? And you were cool as a freaking cucumber. And you were just like laid back and relaxed. And you're like, I'll try this. And you, what I saw you do was I, I saw you let them be kids. I saw you let them climb that wall without fear of falling. And it ended up calming me down and it relaxed me. And it was like such a huge lesson of, of not being this guy who was like overly protective or getting in the way and letting, letting life happen, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the, biggest parts of climbing is learning that failure is okay and it's a huge part of the sport because we fall so much more often than than we don't than we send something and get to the top and I remember that day really clearly and you were so nervous about them but you have to let them fall sometimes because they'll never be able to get to the top on their own if they don't yeah that's right and yeah. that's something I try to teach the kids is if you're not failing then it's likely that you're not trying hard enough and you're not pushing yourself and challenging yourself. Yeah. I, I know that you're not a parent yet. And, and, you know, but at the same time, you work with all these kids. And what I saw in that moment was like, you gave me an example of how to be if I was ever a parent. Right. And for me, for <laughs> you to have that kind of maturity to, 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 to impart that, you know, thank you very much. It was uh, it was it was an awesome lesson. Of course, <laughs> it was fun for me too. Nice. Um, so, what what does the future hold for you? What do you what do you envision uh, in your own life? Is is it uh, all about climbing? Is it all about school? Is it, is it some sort of balance between the two? Um, what are your ambitions? Well, 
right now, I just want to finish my undergrad. <laughs> and hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, I'll graduate this year in November. And then I'm going to take a couple years to myself just to really focus on my climbing while I'm young <laughs> and while I'm kind of riding this high and see what I can do when I put more energy into it. And then also I'm going to use that time to um, do my observation hours and take the GRE for graduate school. I want to obtain a master's in occupational therapy, and I think that would definitely be my career. I don't see myself being only a professional climber because I feel like I can do so many different things with my climbing that would help more people than just trying to do things for myself. Nice. I like that. Right? You know, what did Plato say? He said the uh, mere athlete is Philistine and brute. The mere intellectual, spiritless, and unstable. You got to be both. Right? Yeah. I need, I definitely need a balance. I feel like I'm the happiest when I'm helping people. And right now, that's as a coach. But I definitely see myself doing that as a career in the future. Yeah. You know, the other thing that was really surprising me is we had breakfast a little while ago in Chicago and you were looking at your hands and you were just like, these things can't keep this up forever, you know? Like, and I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And you're like, my joints are falling apart. And I'm like, you're 22 freaking years old. Like, get out of here. I mean, how, what is the longevity yeah, I mean, for a climber? There, there's definitely a physical time limit, but I feel like I could climb at a high level for a really long time. And it's not, climbing isn't for me about performing at like peak elite level it's just about doing something that i love and pushing myself to be better no matter how hard i'm climbing well what about the olympics in tokyo what's 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 the deal there so i'm gonna be one of the older competitors <laughs> i think we need to see a little bit more of how the u.s is going to handle the trials because the Olympics is for climbing just a trial. So there are only going to be 20 competitors. Not every country gets a full team or a team at all. And depending on how we select that team, will it will dictate how I train for it and prepare for it. Gotcha, gotcha. Sounds like every Olympics. We have time. Okay. We got time. Tokyo. We're going to Tokyo. We're at least, <laughs> we're at least going to get some ramen. Come on. <laughs> Um, what else? What else do you spend your time thinking about, Michaela? What, what, what do you want to share with, you know, the kids that you coach or anyone out there listening? Do you have a kind of a message or a thought that, that, you know, is, is, you know, having a voice now as a, as an elite climber that you want to share? Uh, I think that the most useful message that I've gotten regarding climbing has come from my mom, not my surrogate mom, Sarah, <laughs> my, my mom that passed away. She told me before every major climbing competition to climb like Michaela, and that's really resonated with me because I, at first it didn't make sense to me, but once I thought about it more and started internalizing it, she meant that if I tried to climb like someone else or emulate a different climber, I would lose all of the strengths that I have as an individual and things that make me who I am and a good climber for myself. So the message really just means that if you stay true to yourself and you work on your own strengths and weaknesses, anything is possible. Yeah, you got to be you, 
right? You got to be who you are. Mm -hmm. You got to say what you mean. It's just that simple. And that works in life. That works in sport. That there's no one else out there who can be another Michaela. There's no one out there who can replicate your moves because you're the only one who's doing them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to you have to be who you are and just own it and hope that if you put enough effort into it that you can achieve what it is that you want to. That's so Any awesome. goal is possible. <laughs> Will it embarrass you if I bring a rice cooker down to the competition because that's just who I am? <laughs> I won't be embarrassed. <laughs> All right, it's on. Nationals, <laughs> baby, nationals. Yep. How can Four hours from now. I want to know how people can get there. Where do they find out uh, any more information about the event and go out and spectate? Um, you can find the schedule, tickets, all that at usaclimbing.org. It's at Movement in Denver today at 5 o'clock and then all day tomorrow. All right. Well, we got to let you get back to studying and preparing for uh, nationals. I'll see you this evening, Michaela. Uh, I'm going to be screaming my head off unless you tell me to shut it. But uh, I'm excited to see you uh, kick some ass and climb like Michaela. Okay, thanks, guys. From the Scratch Studios in Boulder, Colorado, Michaela Kirsch, Alan Lim, I'm George Thomas. Thanks very much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.